and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 176. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing the original series' third season episodes, Requiem for Methuselah, The Way to Eden, and The Cloud Minders. Here we go. Requiem for Methuselah, Season 3, Episode 19, Production Code 076, Original Air Date, February 14th, 1969, Directed by Murray Golden, Written by Jerome Bixby, Music Composed by Ivan Dittmers and Fred Steiner, Guest Cast Include James Daly as Flint, Luis Sorel as Raina Kopek, William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley, and Roger Holloway as Lieutenant Limley. The crew of the starship Enterprise is struck with a deadly Regillian fever. They arrive at the remote planet Holborg 917-G in search of the mineral Rotilian, used to manufacture a cure. Sensors detect no humanoid life. Kirk, Spock, and McCoy beam down to the planet to investigate and are attacked by a robot. The robot is called off by its master who identifies himself as Flint. Flint claims that the landing party is trespassing and orders them to leave immediately. And on your piano, a waltz by Johannes Brahms, an unknown work in manuscript, written in modern ink, yet absolutely authentic, as are your paintings. I am Brahms. Requiem for Methuselah. This is an episode that is in the great tradition of Kirk talking a pretty girl computer to death. Mm-hmm. I have two notes. Again, <laughs> the I may have gotten it not exactly what he said, but I think I'm close. Uh, I have written down that Kirk says to Reyna, don't be afraid, I'm just a strange man holding you and rubbing your face. <laughs> it's weird, but... Uh, and then the other one I have is, after Spock says to Kirk that Flint loves Reyna, and Kirk says... Flint loves her, but he's the one who said we should do it. <laughs> Steve, why don't you kick us off on this one? Yeah, um, I what I always liked about it was the notion of, you know, a, a being who's existed as all these, you know, historic I, historical icons over many years. That idea is cool and all that, but otherwise that's, you know... There's a lot of kind of, once again, uh, we're seeing bits and pieces of other episodes we've seen. You've already mentioned that it's one of these uh, talking the computer to death slash seducing the woman slash computer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's also, it's it's odd, you know, it, it makes Kirk look bad, really. I mean, you know, we've obviously we've seen him get caught up in with the women and all this, but he it's like he's totally, that one part where he says like, you know, something like, Spock, can't you see I'm fighting for a woman? You know, I mean, it's it's absurd, you know, they're down on a mission, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, can't you see I'm busy here fighting this <laughs> old man for this woman, robot, um, so, uh, so, you know, again, the there's there's stuff I like I like I like I like before they figure out who he is and kind of the some of the banter and amongst them down in in the uh, in his castle and all that kind of stuff um, but yeah there's a lot of problems with what's the point of this and as it goes on and on it just gets kind of more silly so I like the 
actor playing Flint's performance, I mean, he does feel like a guy mm-hmm. that's thousands yeah. of years old in a weird in a way, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I do like that. Uh, Adam, your first thoughts here? Yeah, I pretty much feel similar to Steve. I I don't think um, Captain Kirk came off too well in this episode. I I kind of find my, found myself wondering why he was so in, infatuated with this with this robot. Um, not that she wasn't attractive, but it just seemed a little it seemed over the top even for um, Kirk. And um, again, I, I'm I kind of agree. You know, we we're, we're kind of getting in the, in the last days of Star Trek here, and you know, there's. Uh, a lot of the problems with the episodes, I think, we found is just a repetition of um, plot points and plot themes that we've seen over and over again. And um, um, we, I think we've seen that a lot in this season. It doesn't seem like they're... It's not that the episodes are bad or they don't flow well or that I don't like them. It's just kind of like I've seen them before. And um, I think we see a lot of that in this third season more so than the previous two. Well, this is another one where... It- you know, you feel the budget. It feels like if this episode had been done in the, you know, first couple of seasons, it would have been a little different to me. Just different enough to keep it interesting, moving around a little more. It's not a shocker when when they go in there and see the other Reina models. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, right. That element of the mystery isn't very interesting. Like you said, Steve, I think the, the the one bit that's kind of interesting is, oh, these are new Da Vinci works, and this is a new Brahms work. I mean, that's 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 kind of interesting, but um, I'm not sure that 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 payoff is all that satisfying. Like, what? Well, so what? What does that mean then? Why and how did he did he get here? What is his plan with this woman? He he's, he builds a robot to be his mate. Why does he build her to be more of a surrogate daughter? You know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. it's a couple of, of cool visuals and concepts that, that never quite pay off. I mean, this is, this is not a bad episode to me. It's probably average or, heck, maybe even slightly above average for third season based mostly on a couple of performances, but yeah, it's so disjointed the way Kirk is suddenly and so quickly in love with this woman. (laughs) It seems contrived, you know? Mm -hmm. By the time we get to the end, and we do have that awesome moment of of Spock after talking with McCoy, and clearly Spock has an emotional understanding of what Kirk is going through, and and he, you know, melds with him to help him forget Reyna. That's a cool idea. It's a really cool idea, Mm -hmm. but it's just not earned. In the, in the it, out of context, it's really cool. But in the context of the episode, it is entirely unearned. In the same way that that um, Kirk's love is unearned. I think this um, that moment with Spock um, kind of helping him forget would have been better. The episode where he was you know lost in the wilderness and he married the woman and they were gonna have a child and she died. That that would have seemed yeah. more earned. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of it's just like a, it's like they had a lot of little nuggets and they just threw them all together. I mean, it doesn't you don't I don't even know what they were going for. You know, it's kind of like you waste the idea of this being who is all these famous people and has all these skills and abilities. And so, what's the point? I mean, if they would have if they would have dove into the notion of I don't know, I've lived so long, seen so much, had so much pain that I don't even know how to feel anymore or to let myself feel, so I'm grasping at something by building this thing, and, you know, you get into that more, but then, of course, it had to be just a 
great episode because you know how that goes whenever they focus on what someone who's not our main characters you know so it's kind of i don't know it's it's it's, it's unfortunate it's like they have a, like a number of interesting notions and they just toss them all together yeah you know on, on that note too like i've talked about this before but this feeling that you know 1960s television it has to end with fisticuffs mm-hmm. it has to end with a fight you know uh, there have been plenty of episodes where throwing in a fight at the end seemed a little bit forced, but here almost more than any, because not just does it not make any sense in the story and from Kirk's side, it doesn't make any sense for Flint. He's this incredibly intelligent, evolved, experienced mm-hmm. um, artist, and that he just jumps to that. It's like what? No, it, that is, it's it a complete disconnect for me. Their sudden mm-hmm. fight. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the, you know, the who's that guy elements of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some good who's that guy going on. It was a really stark reminder to me that they feel like they have to throw in fighting, a fist fight mm-hmm. between Kirk and somebody. This stuff does evolve. Look at look at Star Trek Two. Many people believe it's a, the best Star Trek movie, maybe one of the best movies ever. And Kirk and Khan are never in the same room together. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't always, it doesn't need this. And it's, it feels particularly out of place here with this guy that's supposed to be so intelligent and evolved. And how would he ever resort to violence? Hell, he has lines earlier in the episode when he talks about he left the human race because it was so violent or something. And, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. I did, I did like um, Rihanna's death scene. It kind of reminded me of, um, what is it, Lore? Not, um, not Lore. Um, Data's daughter, lol, lol, in um next yeah. gen, you know, kind of the end, you know, just an overwhelming, overwhelming of emotions, kind of just kills her. Her character is a, is a bit of a disappointment for me too, because they play her up like they talk about her as if she's, I mean, aside from the fact that we found out later she's a computer, so she should really be able to have incredible, you know beyond human abilities but they talk about her like she's got all these he literally says she has all these degrees or something right she's so intelligent mm-hmm. but she's just in this episode she's 100 percent just this piece of female for kirk to fall in love with or something i mean it's mm-hmm. they're going through they're, for example they're having all these these problems coming up with this medicine to save people's lives and getting the ingredients or whatever and they never ask her for help she's not involved ever in any way right she's she's just what what can she do she can play pool and she can dance with kirk and that's about it you know i don't i don't understand brian i I think you're talking yourself out of thinking this is a better than above average episode for season. well i said for i said for the third season i think for star trek the original series this is a below average episode but the bar is still low for season three. Yeah, and, I, and from what you said there too, this is yet another example and a, and a pretty strong example of the um, the the male-centered kind of you know females as objects things. As you pointed out, I mean, even though this is a mechanical being, she's the, like the only woman you know in this episode for the bulk of it. You know, that's and uh, and it's there's yeah, despite her apparent intelligence and abilities and all of that it's all it's all just the because of the folk the the focus of the males you know and um it's that kind of problem it's very alpha male in this who's who's bigger is this episode about anything um you could talk about mortality um 
you know, the, the loneliness of living forever. I mean, you know, there's that kind of aspect. Um, I kind of think of vampire stories when I think of, you know, of immortality and living forever and watching your loved ones die and coming to grips with that. I mean, I don't know. There's, um, I guess coming, I guess for Rihanna, I guess it would be like coming out of adolescence, learning to love. I don't know. It's, that might probably use a stretch, but it's, and then you know the alpha male syndrome, obviously. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think it, the the best thing it could have been, where it done, where it implemented better, would have been the notion, like like you said, that um, you can you can have it all. You can be the smartest, strongest, immortal, whatever, and without companionship, you're missing something. I think that's in there, but I think it could have been it could have been stronger where it where they were to you know dial back some of some of the stuff and and focus a little more. All right, let's do six degrees for Requiem for Methuselah. Adam. Yes. Uh, so uh, these two guest stars did not do Star Trek again, so we just got a little bit more like general trivia. Uh, Spock's last line here when he starts his mind meld with Kirk is, forget, what is his line in Wrath of Khan when he melts with McCoy? Remember? Very good. Steve, Flint says he is, among others, Leonardo da Vinci. Who played da Vinci's holographic version on Voyager's holodeck? Oh, yeah. Is it uh, John Rice Davies? You are correct. All right, one-to-one, moving on. The Way to Eden, Season 3, Episode 20, Production Code 075. Original air date, February 21st, 1969. Directed by David Alexander. Story by Arthur Heineman and Michael Richards. Teleplay by Arthur Heineman. Music composed by Fred Steiner. Guest cast includes Skip Homeyer as Dr. Severin. Charles Napier as Adam. Mary Linda Rapelier as Irina Galulian. Victor Brandt as Tongo Rad. Deborah Downey as Girl One. Elizabeth Rogers as Lieutenant Palmer. And Phyllis Douglas as Girl the crew in hot pursuit of a stolen space cruiser, Aurora, which is heading into the dangerous Romulan neutral zone with Tango Rad, the son of an ambassador, on board, the Enterprise locks onto the ship with a tractor beam, but the Aurora tries to flee. With the craft already straining with pushed engines, the vessel begins to break up. Kirk orders the transporter room to lock on the passengers and beam them aboard immediately. Head to Eden. Yeah, the Way to Eden. This is an interesting episode because I think most people do not like this episode. And <laughs> I certainly understand why. I've definitely heard, not just people involved, but fans that don't like this episode. But there, it has enough interesting things in it that somehow I kind of maybe like it a little bit, <laughs> which is weird. I know, it's probably terrible, but like, one of the things, I remember for a long time, this like, when I was a kid, this seemed like the most dated episode of the original series, you know, with the hippies, right? But Hippie th- culture and stuff is it's this is it's such a long time ago. I'm not sure that that most people even recognize it as that. Now it just feels weird and alien almost. <laughs> um, so it almost is like it's a little bit less dated than it was ten or twenty years ago. I think that's something I was thinking about yesterday when I was watching it and, and talked to my wife about. Um, 
so that surprised me because I was trying to think, why does this not feel as dated as, as it used to to me? That's the best answer I could come up with. But there are, it just has a couple of interesting angles that, that keep me watching. Uh, for example, the fact that, that Spock identifies with the hippies. That angle, probably more than any other single thing, is what uh, makes the episode work for me. Um, I have more I can say, but let's see. Adam, uh, what are your first thoughts on The Way to Eden? Yeah, I was kind of a little bit dreading watching this episode, but I'll, I'll tell you this. I liked it more than I thought it would, I guess because I went in with low expectations. It came out going, you know, it's not that bad of an episode. Structurally, it's better than the previous episode we just discussed, and I think it actually had, they do a better job of actually saying something in this episode. Um, um, there are definitely interesting moments. I thought this, I agree with you. The Spock moments are interesting. Um, I, I like, um, you know, I always like the conversations between, um, Spock and Kirk on the bridge. So early on in the episode, you know, when, when Kirk is trying to I mean, Kirk sounds flat out prejudiced, right? He sounds like yeah, the, the old guy that's yeah, like, get off my yard guy. But yeah, he's trying yeah. to work it out. In, he's trying to work it out in his head, trying to understand these, these people. Well, he has that line to, uh, Chekhov, when he, Chekhov says one of, that girl used to be with him at the academy, and Kirk says like one of those was in the academy. He says that he says one of those was in the mm-hmm. academy. Yeah. Jeez, he's definitely a Herbert. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. So, continue, Adam. So yeah, like you know that discussion they were having. You know, we're getting to the end of season three, and we're going to be done. You know, I don't know when I'll watch these again. Um, I I may or may never watch this episode again, but I I do enjoy those those scenes with Kirk and Spock when it's just the two of them, whether on their bridge quarters or, or wherever they're at, where um where it's Kirk trying to work something out in his head, and he's using and Spock as a sounding board. So I've always enjoyed those scenes that they've had throughout um Star Trek. So I I just kind of was like, man, this might be the last time. I see this this scene. I'm, I'm not sure if we'll catch it in any of the more episodes coming up, but so it's a little nostalgia there. I was watching that scene um, just because we're getting to the end, but it's not a bad episode. I think the music scenes were a little long. They I, they kind of drug on a little bit, bit too much, but you know that's what they were going. They were going for that that hippie that funk thing. You know, it kind of got goofy at times, but overall, I I liked it better than I thought I would or as or I remembered. Steve? You know, um, yeah, and I think we all have this in common, it sounds like, that it's, we like it better than we did before, because I, I feel the same thing. Um, I, think, I, think what the, yeah, it's, I think what the issue is, it's contextual almost, you know, I mean, we, I, was, I was thinking about how, man, this is so silly, this is part silly, oh my gosh, this is a music video, and look how they're carrying, you know, all these kind of things that, that are just kind of like great on you because of the absurdity of it, yet... I can also sit here and write, you know, for the first time in a number of episodes in the third season, and tell you what it's about. You know, I was thinking about okay, it's about this, but you know, because it, so it's got it's got some, it's got something to it, and it's and it, it's meaningful and has something to say. So it's kind of an anomaly in a weird way. I think I think what's problematic is I guess what's still kind of grates on me is I almost when you put yourself in the shoes of the show at the time, when you think of how it'd be the equivalent of I don't know inviting. I can't even think what it'd be the equivalent of. I don't know, inviting some kind of modern day thing that just dumping it into your show and and how odd that is for, you know, a sci-fi future. Yeah, sci-fi especially. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like it's got something to say, but it's just a step away from they all watch 
the Woodstock film in the rec room and it has something to say too. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 <laughs> it's just kind of, um, but, but, um, so it's, it's interesting that way. I mean, and it's also, it's a, it's a, I mean, we've, there's all, always, uh, elements of a show that make it a product of its product of its time. You know, you can pick out elements, but I mean, this is definitely, you, you know, when you are, you know, and that, and that's not all bad. I mean, you have those touchstones in a show that, put it in because everything's contextual um but uh so it's so it's interesting this is it was i was kind of surprised to think that i liked it more than i did before yet still found it absurd mm-hmm. so it's just a real strange episode well you talk about that it's it's actually you know for the first time in a number of episodes it's it's really trying to be about something mm-hmm. dr severin you know he's got this uh disease we find out i mean it makes sense this disease is something you he got from this disease was something that was like propagated through these through modern culture and and mm-hmm. technologies and stuff and and closed closed systems i mean even now that there's something to that you know we go to work in our offices with these mm-hmm. closed hvac systems that they certainly didn't have you know 100 years ago like i i i haven't actually read this but i'm assuming he's supposed to be some kind of a reference to uh I can't remember the guy's name. The turn on, tune in, drop out. That guy. You know who I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Larry? Yeah, Larry. Yeah, right. I'm assuming he's supposed to be maybe kind of a reference to that guy, which, you know, that's a reference that I certainly would not expect, <laughs> would not expect you know, the average person to um, get unless they're our age are a lot older. Well, I mean, you know, in the you know, we were talking about, you know, the 60s where we've been kind of making fun of the music and, you know, the kind of goofy texture and tone of this episode. But, I mean, occultism was a thing in the 60s, and there's that in this episode where it kind of confronts, you know, following somebody blindly. Um, you know, this you know, this guy, is, he's leading a cult. And so it, it talks a lot about, I think it has something to say about that, which was going on in the 60s as well. You were talking about Leary and, you know, there were, several other cults manson you know that kind of thing was going on at this time i didn't like that you know it's it's nice that it had a point of view and it and it was trying to say something that's certainly worthwhile but this episode is is just good enough that it even goes to the point where where i can say i maybe didn't like what it was trying to say uh some of the time because just saying that using the word cult it has a negative connotation dr severin is insane as spock says uh, Adam, who is one of the more extreme cult members, dies, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And he doesn't listen to Spock whenever they're down in the auxiliary control room and Spock's trying to tell him, Severin is insane, you can look at look at the computer records, his personnel records, and you'll see this, you're following him blindly and you shouldn't be and it's going to get you all into trouble. And, you know, not long later after uh, Adam is dead. I didn't necessarily like that point of view. I, I wish there would have been a little bit more, just a little bit more to the other side, because the episode identifies with the other side. Spock identifies with the hippies. He wants to help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get just a smidge of that with um, Chekhov's old flame, you know, where he's like, you know, they're like, I hope you find your Eden and everything. But I guess I'm saying I wish the resolution had had a, had a little bit more uh, subtlety to it. Maybe if we didn't have a five-minute music number, we, they could have got into that a little bit more. <laughs> music video there, second half of the episode. That just that's one of those things. I, I I assume that's that you know 
saved them budget. Oh, look, we can have another song here. Great. That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's stuff we have to come up with in the episode, right? Yeah, it does kind of in the in the end it's basically siding with the I don't know, with the old with the older generation or whatever, the notion with the that Herberts. Yeah, with the Herberts, because look what happens when you don't stay focused and have a purpose and get all wishy-washy and think of, you know, have your pie in the sky attitude, et cetera, et cetera, you know, or whatever. That's kind of what it seems to be is the end result here. It could, yeah, it could, it could be more balanced to be better if it was more balanced. I did laugh out loud. It not once, but at least twice, maybe three times. It cuts to that red shirt on the bridge, like bopping along to the music. God, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. that is the laugh out loud moment in this episode. And it happens more than once. Mm-hmm. That really gets me. <laughs> I think this is the only time I've written down um, that somebody kills themselves kills themselves with fruit before. Mm. Mm. Maybe there's another episode that I'm forgetting, but it feels like I've never written that before. Oh, sorry, you know what I had to hit in my notes from the last, I forgot to say it in the last episode, but I think we saw the first flat screen with a sound bar in the last episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Technology thing. I was like, hey, there's a flat screen with a sound bar. Sorry. I know. And they were out. keeping an eye on them. Yeah. One thing I kind of noticed in this episode and the previous one, it seemed like there were a couple of scenes of just two people talking that didn't have music underneath them. And uh, I felt like I hadn't seen that very much. Like Star Trek has a lot of music. Yeah. Um, and it was it was kind of nice actually uh, to to let the scene be carried by the the performances there. And and I, you know, there's a time and a place for music, but it, it it made me think maybe original series uses its music a little bit too often. Even for as much as I love, of course, the music, it was nice to see a scene like in this episode. Uh, I think it was between uh, Chekhov and Iriana, is that her name? Uh, where they were just talking and there was no underscore and it was kind of nice. This episode's also got a couple of odd uh, reverse shots, you know, so the perspective is the right way, but it's clearly they just, you know, they reverse the shot so Kirk's looking the right way. It's it's Kirk both times and they do it early on and later in the episode. His badge just slipped around. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh-huh. No, it's the next episode where he has a line but his mouth doesn't move. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. So we're we've kind of talked into what it's about. Uh, you guys want to sum that up? Um, yeah, we've kind of kind of gone over it throughout the episode. You know, there's. I know you don't like to use the word the occultism. Maybe it's not the the proper term for here, but I mean just rebelling against society. You know, there's obviously the technology thing where they want to get away from technology. They want to get away from all the the man-made things. It's it's kind of a common thing they talk about and um several different um Star Trek series and episodes we've seen it before um there's the the tragedy of of following blindly and not using your own reasoning skills um so those are some of the things that I had down yeah i think it's just it's the just the notion of the counterculture the the notion that there's a re, uh, you know reaction to every action in the sense that if you you if you can visualize a society that gets that far technologically advanced and orderly and everything's in its way you're you're inevitably going to have a group that would wants to wants to experience the other side of that they want to go against technology they want to see and and in rea- you know that's great that everyone can do what do what they do but you see also the uh the problems that result in extremism you know you take any point of view and then um forego all reason 
you know... Yeah, like Jim Henson not taking his antibiotics, right? Right. So. <laughs> 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 Let's do Six Degrees for The Way to Eden. Oh, golly. Our score is one to one Steve? Yes. Skip Homer plays Dr. Severin. In the original series' second season, he played the Nazi leader, Melikon. Name the episode. Mm, is it uh, Patterns of Force? You are correct. Adam, Charles Napier plays Adam, the way-out hippest cat that wants to jam with Spock. In DS9, he played Lieutenant General Rex Denning when some three aliens land at Roswell. Name the episode. Is it um, Little Green Men? You are correct, Little Green Men. <laughs> I was I was trying to come up with a uh, I was originally going to ask a question about Rambo first Blood Part Two, but uh, <laughs> I, I always remember him from Silence of the Lambs because he got his face cut off. He was in he did uh, uh, Blues Brothers. He was pretty funny in that. And, but no, my favorite is is Rambo first Blood Part Two, Murdoch. <laughs> oh, folks, if you haven't seen that treasured film, you must go out and watch it. Uh, let's move on. Uh, score is two to two. The Cloudminders, Season 3, Episode 21, Production Code 074, Original Air Date, February 28, 1969, Directed by Judd Taylor, Story by David Gerald and Oliver Crawford, Teleplay by Margaret Arman, Music Composed by Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Jeff Corey as Plasis, Diana Ewing as Droxine, Charlene Polite as Vanna, Fred Williamson as Anka, Ed Long as Medro, William Blackburn as Lieutenant Hadley, Louis Elias as Troglite 1, and Marvin Walters as Troglite 2. The Enterprise arrives at the planet Ardrana on a mission to retrieve a mineral called Xenite, which is needed to halt a vegetation plague on the planet Merkel 2. Captain Kirk wishes to speed along the negotiations for the mineral and beams down directly to the Xenite mines with First Officer Spock. Despite Andrana's high leader, Advisor Paulson's request to beam down to the floating city of Stratos. Stratos, Captain. City actually floating in the sky. Looks as tranquil as its reputation. Is. It is one of the most interesting metropolises in the galaxy. Adam, do you like the Cloudminders? Yeah, it was an okay episode. I mean, visually, it's kind of cool. You got the the Cloud City thing going on. That's kind of what I remember this um, episode as being about, you know, kind of the cool thought of having a city floating along the clouds. Um, I think the episode kind of has something to say. You know, there's the higher-up society and the lower-up society. Um, it's, it's got some interesting things in it. It's got, we've got Impatient Kirk in this episode, which is, which is, which is, it works. It works sometimes, you know, we were talking about how Kirk kind of came off poorly in the first episode that we talked about, but in this episode, he's kind of impatient and kind of grumpy, and it kind of works in this episode to kind of move things along. His impatience kind of keeps the episode flowing. Um, I kind of would have liked to seen more of a romantic thing for Spock in this episode. I think that was may- maybe a missed opportunity there. There seemed to be a connection between him and the um, the daughter of the um, the leader. But they kind of let that go flat. Overall, it's um, it's an average episode. It's certainly memorable with the whole cloud city, Steve. Yeah, I mean, I, I, 
the the visual of the cloud city i think is the the biggest thing that sticks out the rest of it i mean i, I remember the elements and i i think the i you know it's it's mildly interesting some of the ideas they have i mean the, the classism thing we've seen several times already um in various forms i think the issue is that that it's like they kind of have this generic classism idea and and then it's all just thrown in to star trek incidentally and this and, and uh, you know especially because like uh, while i like to see spock have a romantic interest of a sort it's kind of come just comes out of left field you know it's like why is he so attracted to this woman and then of course by the time she uh rattles off all her bigotry there's no way she's attractive anymore anyway and so it kind of makes him look like a real dope and then you have kirk who by the end, even with the whole getting gassed down there or whatever's going on, is acting really, you know, pretty hardcore, intense with, um, you'll mind, you know, mind that by hand and, you know, I'm going to lock us in here and do, you know, it's just, anyway, I mean, you know, it, it is memorable. It's got those ideas. There, Some of these notions aren't, aren't bad ideas, but we've seen these things before and I think it, some of the things they're doing with our with our characters are a little bizarre. The one weird thing for me that I don't really remember thinking about before, but watching it this time, at the end there's this sense of, okay, we're going to start providing you guys with these filter masks. and uh, I thought the concept there was, and then you're going to all be a part of this society together. That's what I remembered. But this time watching it, I felt like we're going to provide you with these filter masks and nothing's going to change? I mean, you're not going to get up here to the Cloud City or anything, and they're not coming down here. I mean, it, that's kind of what it felt like this time. Did, it, was I reading that wrong suddenly, or what? I thought I remember the um, daughter. I'm sorry, I can't remember the character's name. I thought she Joxine? said she was going to go down to the mines and experience them. Okay. She does mention something about that, um, but yeah, there's not any plan or notion of we're going to integrate these groups or anything like that and plus the the i don't know if it's just me but the whole thing at the end just felt like it was kind of just stuck on you know like you're just putting all these characters in a up there for one last argument or something it, it was just kind of a i don't know it felt like it was like you know we got to close this somehow and we're going to have all these people talk to each other in this environment but there's really no sense as to why we all congregated here and how we got to this point now start arguing or something it was, that was kind of odd i thought too i do think maybe there should be a rule about um you have to go at least two episodes before you can have enterprise going to pick up some much needed medicine supplies yeah right i've seen that a lot it's like your job you know yeah i think only like one episode in between is not enough you need at least two and then still that gives you, you know, a good eight episodes a season that you can do that, right? I think I think it'd be a fun game to play. Um, is it is it A, the drug they're picking up, or B, the name of a character, right? Because earlier, two episodes <laughs> ago, we had Rytalin, and here we have a character named Droxine. And, you know, picking out of context, <laughs> if you hadn't watched these in a while, yeah. Droxine yeah. keeps the red out or whatever. I mean, you know, what is this? I'd rather take some Vanna. <laughs> uh, I'll cut that out, too. <laughs> uh, a lot of things to cut out today, Brian. Yeah, a lot of editing on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's weird looking at my notes. Like, I took half a page of notes, which I'm usually taking 
a solid page or a little over. So it's almost like there wasn't a lot to it, or maybe I just wasn't all that interested. The, the two things I remember, yeah, like you said, the visuals. I remember seeing the Cloud City, and then actually the thing that I most remembered was that image from, from Cloud City looking down where you can kind of see the river or something. Mm-hmm. Because it always looks so real and and modern and correct somehow. Um I always remembered that because I'm used to things just being a, a matte painting and be like, okay, well, it's a painting. But that I remember feeling like it was an actual photo. Yeah, it looks like those photos you see of kind of odd heights, you know, like uh, from a certain number of miles up in the air, actual photographs. And it may very well have been something like that. Maybe that's yeah. why it looks so realistic. And I was glad to see that they didn't really change it. If they did, I didn't notice much uh, right. for this, the remastered. Uh, Spock having voiceover narration, that's that's new. Mm. It's kind of pointless and weird, but... Yeah, yeah, that's totally bizarre, too, because he's doing that. They're, like, doing this crossfade montage something. Again, we don't see that kind of thing very often, so, yeah, it felt a little strange. It felt like, did you just tune, turn to this channel? If so, here's what you missed in the first... Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because there's nothing. That's all he's doing, right? Is recapping the show up to then. Right. It's kind of. Can you imagine a, a show that every time they come back from commercial, they have to say <laughs> <laughs> the last ten minutes on Star Trek? You know. <laughs> Previous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't have any. I don't even have any funny jokes from this one. There's no. And when Kurt, Kurt was talking about funny though, when Kirk's trying to talk with that mask on, that somehow that cracks me up. That was like it just kind of goes off the rails there when he's like, burr, 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 you know, <laughs> with his mask. But it's got that bar going across the top of his head. It couldn't be like a normal, you know, pullover mask. It had they had to make it some weird bar yeah. around the top. I wrote down that Vanna proves she's a dick by taking Kirk hostage. <laughs> Because she probably, she says, there's a whole long scene where they develop, they seem to like earn each other's trust. And finally she's like, you trust, I'm trusting you, you trust me. And Kirk's like, okay. And then the next scene, you didn't think I was trusting you, did you? Oh, well, crap. Why was that scene 10 minutes long then? You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they were trying to fool the audience. Kirk, you know, because I guess Kirk always talks to the girls and it's like, oh, this one didn't believe him. I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't, his, his, doesn't really have the magic with her. For his, some mojo, his mojo was off. Hmm. When you really listen to some of the things that Joxine says, they are pretty awful and like disgusting, you know, mm-hmm. talking about these the separation of these classes. Yeah. Uh, but I you know, I do like where her character goes by the end of the episode because it I do believe that she could come as far as she does as quickly as she does because when you're hearing her say those disgusting things earlier doesn't seem like she's really thought about them. She's just saying the way she was raised, you know? Right, right. Um, and she, so she's, not, like, intelligent enough that once she has a reason to actually analyze these things that she's always been taught, she can be fair and see that they're unfair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She could be a more balanced Ardranian, or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. How did this one compare to how you guys remembered it? About the same? About the same, I think. Yeah, yeah, about the same. Because we all seem to surprisingly agree that the way to Eden was maybe a little better than we were remembering it or choosing choosing to remember it. Right. Which lends credence to the notion that it's distance and time from the, you know, that makes a difference with that one. 
which is yeah. which is a very unusual property for a you know something you know it holds up better the farther you get from it or something that's that's strange you know although obviously certain historical events and movements and notions kind of come and go in cycles so so if, there, if there's any avid listener out there see if you can do some statistics and see how many times the three of us have have all liked an episode more now than when we were <laughs> younger uh. <laughs> so is this episode about anything um it's about class society i mean that's kind of obvious you know the the poor working class and um higher upper class rich class i mean it's 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 not only you know symbolically evident in this episode it's visually evident you know they're in the mines they're up in cloud city so there's um they they don't hide you're not very subtle about what they're trying to say in this episode about that um i couldn't i couldn't really think of anything deeper than what they were than that i don't know maybe you had something steve no, I mean, I I think it's yeah, it's the the notion of classism and the um how that's an untenable situation, obviously, and I, I just think it's we've seen this before and we've seen it better, you know, but but it's definitely that's the message here is the the pitfalls of classism and how it can't sustain. But maybe not the most elevated episode. All right, let's do six degrees for the cloud minders. What, by the way, why is it called minders and not miners? Do we even know? Question. I don't know. Maybe there's this has like an etymology that I'm not aware of. Maybe one of our listeners is aware of this in a poem or a story or something. Yes. To reference one Please of those let us know. Maybe it's just an incredible typo. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever caught it. Yeah, they're just, just like the proof and meh. There was on all the scripts and they weren't going to reprint them. It's like okay, it's minders. <laughs> All right, our score is two, two, two. That's T W O T O T W O. Steve Rick Ramon Kirk, excuse me, Kirk Ramon plays the Cloud Guard. He previously played Durr in Friday's Child in the second season. Durr was in. Wow, this is going to be a tough question. Uh, Durr, why, why did I even give you this? It's not <laughs> Durr was in one of the tribes battling for control after their leader's death. How many tribes were fighting? Jeez Louise. Yeah, that's not fair. I don't know why I asked oh, that. Oh, God. I mean, I know it's... Yeah. Mm, ten? Holy Mary! How did you get that? I mean, I was just going to guess, but then somehow the the sound of ten tribes sounded right. So <laughs> maybe, it, maybe that is something from it, or maybe we're just lucky. I don't know. Wow. You thought of, All you right. Thought five, you thought of five armies, and then you doubled it. <laughs> <laughs> Adam... Which of the follow-up Trek series producer has long claimed that if they'd had one more season for the show, it would have gone back to Stratos? I shouldn't say back, because it's not the original series. It's a follow-up show that had said if they'd had another season, they would have gone to Stratos. Um, Next Gen? Nope. Steve? Enterprise? Correct, Enterprise. Manny Cotto, he always said that. He He had an idea for it. Well, they wouldn't have been able to go back to Stratos. They would have had to go there for the first time. Well, I removed the word back. <laughs> I'm just messing like a prequel. I'm just messing uh, Yeah, I knew it was, it was either Next Gen or Enterprise. It was, it was a flip of a coin. It wouldn't have been quite that high in the air yet. You know, they're still getting it up there. <laughs> <laughs> you can take a ladder. You can get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
All right, folks. Well, this episode is going to post, I believe, on September 7th, one day shy of the 51st anniversary of Star Trek, uh, after we've been doing the original series for one year. And uh, two weeks from now, we will be concluding the original series with the final three episodes of the original series. I think we're going to post... Our next episode will post before Discovery premieres. Um, so we will have finished the original series before Discovery premieres. Who would have guessed that was going to happen? <laughs> this is our first episode that's that's posting after... Hurricane Harvey, the devastation in Texas. If uh, you know Adam and I are both both spent a great deal of our lives in Texas. Adam, were you actually born in Texas? I was. Yeah, look at that. Uh, you know, we know lots of folks down there. Um, I highly encourage everybody. You can go to uh, the Red Cross's website and donate that way. Uh, there's lots of ways to help out. It's pretty devastating and awful. Um, so our thoughts are with those people, and help out any way you can. Even just a little donation actually helps a lot. And I think that is going to wrap up our penultimate episode for Star Trek The Original Series. We'll be back in two weeks to finish it out. Thank you so much for spending an hour with us, and until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.